I find it disconcerting. There will be an appropriate time and a place to review policy. What does this rapporteur even do? The Liberals and Conservatives want to play a political game and score points. I think it's pretty self-explanatory. You're actually sharing half of the story. Forty-seven here. It is Tuesday. It is great to have you here. It is also time that we uh, meet with our friend Tom Korski, always delivering the Christmas gifts early. Hello, Tom. Hey, you taking Hi, any Alex. time off? Hi, Alex. Uh, next week? Yes. Next week is our big Christmas week. Do you have a it big really Christmas party, like of staff year. of two? Uh, well, no. We have moments of reflection. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for asking. <laughs> I don't know if I want to reflect on anything of last year. Last year, this year has been crazy, yeah. Um, let me dig into a couple of things. Um, CN Rail, um, we don't talk about this much, and there have been these protests, but they're losing millions because of these anti-Israel protests that are uh, going in front of freight lines, and they've done so in three provinces. And so, you know, once upon a time, the Freedom Convoy was... Uh, Got the old emergency act out, right? Closed bank accounts. And you now CN's lawyers are saying, look, we've lost 55 million just from one shutdown on November 20th in Winnipeg. And this has been going on all the time. Doesn't get any attention. That's right. Uh, no, it's, uh, it's completely, it was never raised in parliament. No one expressed outrage except CN lawyers. Railway lawyers are going in and out of courts, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. following protests in Regina, Winnipeg, and Montreal. And and the latest was in New Brunswick, where there have not even been protests. But railway lawyers are telling judges, look, we have irreparable harm. All judges, by the way, to date have agreed with that. Irreparable economic harm from these protests where they're blocking rail lines that carry hundreds of billions of dollars of freight in this country. Yeah, no one has talked about freezing bank accounts or invoking the Emergencies Act. The irony is noted, Alex. Well, it should be. We either do this or we don't. I mean, you can't pick and choose your causes, right? You're either disrupting commerce or you're not. And frankly, oh. investors don't care who the, just get the hell off the lines. Oh, but cabinet is picking and choosing yes, its causes. Well, Whether this is fair or not, cabinet leaves the impression in the troubles from October 7th that they find Israel irritating, that they generally agree with the broad view of street protesters, all if they don't like it when they play rough, well, they don't do anything and about it. that they are uh, capable of um, cognizant of the fact that Muslims outnumber Jews five to one in, going into what is likely to be an election year in 2024. There's one calculation they didn't make, however, and, and this could be a bad mistake. Jews have friends in this country. It's just not the friends they thought they had. <laughs> not cabinet. So true, eh? <laughs> not media. The universities are the worst. It's the country people. It's middle Canada who, who have said, we had no idea Jews have had to deal with this. If they can deal with it, we can deal with it, and we're getting it done. And I don't think cabinet made that very narrow calculation. They look weak. Mm-hmm. My, my two cents, Alex, they look weak and conniving. And I think they're playing a very dangerous game. Everyone knew that the application of the Emergencies Act was politically driven. They're playing politics on this. And I think for a large swath of Canadian public, the opinion is, look, at you're, you're dealing with people who kidnap the children. Mm-hmm. We're not, they're not getting over that. No, Tom stopped on October 7th, right? 
Yeah, it, it certainly did. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting how they pick and choose their causes. And um, it's hard to believe we still have a trial uh, going on, a couple of trials still going on in uh, Ottawa. On the Freedom it's Convoy, crazy. it's ridiculous. It's, it's, it's crazy. like the Nuremberg Tribunal. How do you have a month-long trial on a mischief yeah. charge, Alex? You've covered courts. <laughs> I've covered them. Mischief charges, you're in and out in 20 minutes. It's ridiculous. Yeah, not in this country, but certainly... Uh, Interesting. Uh, meanwhile, you've got more than a third of Canadians saying they lack confidence in the Youth uh, Criminal Justice Act. And this is um, in-house research by the Department of Justice. So 73% reporting uh, youth should, in fact, be sentenced to custody when they do something violent or they're a repeat offender. I mean, yeah. yeah. The, our, our takeaway here is the this is research exactly, as you say, by the Department of Justice, who, guess what, created the youth justice system. And the Numbers we even see are uneven. There is data, and these are, these are government reports, one by the Department of Justice, the other by the Department of Public Safety. This is their business. They're not really sure on what the incidence is of delinquency anymore. They, some, some of it is police reported, but they accept that there's a large number of crimes that are not police reported, and people oh, get yeah, very upset. Sure. Uh, exactly. And, uh, and what's the most common charges? Mischief. Petty theft, common assault, involving um, defendants under the age of 18, lack of confidence in the system. This is worrisome, said Department of Justice researchers. Yes, and how? Yes. Well, it is because there's so much secrecy and shrouding, and they, they hide behind the, the act itself of protecting these teens, can't name them, whatever. You can still give out information. We get nothing. And so I think there's a feeling that there's very little accountability on some very, very serious uh, crimes. Oh, sure. It, I mean, it's called public safety for a reason. Department of Public Safety. It's it's the it's it's not making dreams come true for defendants. It's public safety, exactly. Oh yeah, it used to be a thing. Uh, meanwhile, uh, the Canadian, um, I guess you call him the cl- climate change watchdog, uh, Jerry DeMarco. He's very busy these days. Um, he was rep- <laughs> reporting to the Senate Energy Committee, and he just basically said, "No, Canada is not a climate leader." He said, we're not, I'm not saying we're doomed to failure just because our past performance has been so shoddy. But, you know, in about an hour now and 10 minutes, Mr. Giebel is going to come out and give an impossible task to Canadians that they have to be in EV cars by a 2035. And um, I don't know what the environment watchdog will think of this, but, he, you know, they're still going on this dream that they can meet these targets. It's interesting. Uh, Environment Commissioner DeMarco has been really candid, and the Environment Minister Gibo does not like discussing uh, DeMarco's comments or reports. DeMarco testifying, exactly, testifying before Sanders, he said said our record is shoddy, quote-unquote. I mean, we're the the worst of the G7. Interesting thing on that electric car mandate, something to watch for, Alex, something certainly we're interested in. They will not accept that there are people who don't want an electric car. And they're saying, well... Too bad for you. You're going to have to get one eventually. And our question is, or what? Because I don't want an electric car. I understand the government wants me to buy an electric car. The government would like me to do a lot of things. But, you know, until we reach that state where we don't have elections anymore, I'm not getting there. Then well, what? Yeah, well, I just asked, yeah, I asked Paul Eva on the show this morning. I said, well, you cancel these things. Yes. <laughs> so I think it'll be changed within life. And, and his point was, let's be reasonable here. Ten years is just not doable. It's just not doable. You know, we well, just can't deliver. The, the costs are staggering. staggering. It's billions. The economic and environmental impact is is uneven. 
We're not even talking about the subsidies for the plants that hire Koreans to build batteries for these vehicles. Mm -hmm. If people, you know, Henry Ford didn't create the automobile economy because the government ordered people to buy Model Ts and go to gas stations. People wanted them. No, the vast majority of the motoring public doesn't want an electric car. They see that year after year, Alex. And their answer is, well, we're going to re-engineer the entire economy, and you're getting an electric car, and you're going to like it, Alex. You're, you're buying one, and you're going to take it, and you're going to like it. Oh, okay. That always ends well. Yeah, I'll probably be long dead by the time this happens. But nonetheless, it'll be a good, valiant effort. I'm out of time. Thanks, Tom. We'll talk on Thursday. You you're, bet. You're working Thursday, right? We'll do an end-of-year oh, oh, wrap-up, yes. right? Right up to Christmas Eve. Excellent. Right up there. Right. <laughs> Thank you, sir. We'll talk again. Thank you. Tom Korski joining us. A great stocking stuffer. Absolutely. Black Locks reporter. Lots of people ask about it. Subscription-based, and they do, in fact, give you the reports. They follow the dollar.